Welcome to the Success Leaves Clues podcast with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that's different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Success Leaves Clues podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. Are you a small business owner who thinks they pay too much in tax? We can help. Give us a call or book a meeting by clicking the link in the show notes to book a free financial consultation so you can have peace of mind about your financial future. We are also brought to you by ARIA Benefits. If you're a business owner or HR leader and you're needing a competitive employee benefits package to help you retain and attract that top talent, we can help there too. Check us out to book a free consultation and create a customized package that fits your benefits, business, and budget. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, here with my co-host, Al McDonald. Al, it's Podcast Friday. You know that's my favorite day of the month. What are you saying? Mine too, and looking forward to this episode and honestly, a little bit afraid, uncertain that our guest is actually going to make us look bad, which is probably not that hard to do. A seasoned professional, I think, hearing him speak already. I've said it so many times. The best part of this podcast is the introductions you get. And I love the conversation that we had offline with this person. And then subsequent to that meeting, he sent me a video on one of his presentations. And I think after listening to this episode, you're probably going to want to have a copy of that as well, because it's just so, so good. So I was really excited about today. Without further ado, joining us today is Jason Putnam, Chief Revenue Officer at Plum. He is an award-winning sales leader currently overseeing Plum's strategy, driving revenue generation initiatives, and expanding into new markets to meet customer demand. Since joining Plum in December of 2021, Jason has helped drive substantial growth in the company's pipeline and client base, which under his guidance has jumped 20% in six short months. Amazing. Throughout his career, Jason is repeatedly growing businesses to exit, having held strategic sales and business development titles. Welcome to the show, Jason. Thanks for having me, fellas. I appreciate it. Great to have you here. And before we get started, got to do a big shout out to our mutual friend, Leah Carr, for this introduction. Once again, proving my belief that really good people know other really good people. So thanks, Leah. She's awesome. She is awesome. Why don't we jump right into it, Jason? You've had a lot of success in go-to-market at many companies. Success Leaves Clues is the name of the series. Maybe you're not going to give away all your secrets, but perhaps you can share a couple. What's the secret to your success? I'm fine giving away all the secrets. I have these conversations a lot. Most people who know me well, or even when I'm interviewing people, I say this. So it's not directly answer to your question, but we'll set some context. I care much more about what people are going to say at my eulogy versus what my resume or bank account says. Both of those things are doing fine because of that approach. So I spend a lot of my time getting mentored and mentoring people. So all the secrets will be out, at least in the 20 minutes that we have to do it. To me, the biggest approach is there's a huge mistake, especially in the software world, but in any world of people talking about their product. And I think that's a mistake. You don't market to companies and you don't sell to companies. You market to people and you sell to people. And those people care about what the product can do for them and for their organization. And even for them personally, how does it make their life easier? How does it make them make more money? So all of your outbound marketing and branding and your sales presentations and everything really need to be catered towards the human side of this. 
versus what the product does. Nobody cares how the watch is made. They just want to know what time it is. You know, I was recently just finished a book and I can't remember who it's by, but the title was Building a Brand Story. And one of the things that resonated with me, and I think it expands on what you're saying is, it's really the people. And it's about creating the hero of the story. And I look at our business and a lot of times I see some people trying to be the hero themselves. And it's, you really need to take a step back and say, the client really needs to be the hero. I'm just the guy. I'm the person. If I can make one of my clients look good or great to the people that they report to, I don't need that credit. Me knowing that person is looking really good. If I've done a ton of work to support that, that's all the credit that I need. I'm really trying to focus on going forward about how can I be the best guide that I can be? So I love that you said that. I call it being a Sherpa to some extent. And you'll see with Plum, I mean, we've gotten in the past year, I call it swagger, right? We're a Canadian company. So we do humble swagger to some extent, but everyone knows us in the market now. And the reason that happens is we have taken a conscious effort to put our customers first and put them forward out in the market. So when we're asked to speak a lot of times, we give that over to a customer to speak. When analysts ask us something, we have a customer do that. So by putting those customers first, it accomplishes a few things. Number one, they're going to talk better about your product than you're ever going to talk about it. And it's going to be much more sincere. But also there's a lot of people in their current roles who are sitting on the sideline who aren't early on adopters, but maybe fast followers who are just looking to be able to replicate and tell the same story that that person did internally, but they just don't have the internal capital or they don't have the will or they're scared. So seeing somebody who is in the same role as them, who has done something that they know they want to do, do it first, has been our entire approach. Yeah, I can't resist because you said, you know, small Canadian company, do you apologize a lot for your success? I don't. I'm in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, then. Yeah. Well, then, no need to. <laughs> can you talk a little bit about Plum? I think you've discussed with us, Plum focuses on innate talents. So can you talk a little bit about what your innate talents are and how do you use them in your role? Yeah, let me talk to you about Plum first and to put it in context. And it's funny because it's in relation to your episode that came out today. So one of the stories you were telling was as an executive team, what are you passionate about? That hit really well with me. So what Plum does is we're able to take innately, think of it nature versus nurture, but like psychometric data is what you have versus what you've learned. And we're able to map that to jobs. So you said it right. Hey, I cringe when I have to do those things I'm not passionate about. The reason you're passionate about those things is because that's what fills up your cup. Those are the things that drive you versus drain you. Those are the things that when you spend all day doing it, you close your laptop and you go high five your significant other saying had a great day. When I sit on Excel for six hours a day, I'm very good at Excel, but I go have a drink and you know I walk away from my family versus doing stuff like this for six hours a day. So that's what we do. And, and our customers do that both with their applicants, but up to, we have one client who has that data on 170,000 employees. So they're able to match those innate talents to make sure those people can be happy, fulfilled, and thrives in the jobs that there are. And the reason I tell you that first is my innate talents, and we, we bubble all these competencies up into more understandable words. So you don't have to be a PhD level IO psychologist to know this stuff. The thing that drives me every day is what we call embracing diversity. That certainly has a DEI impact, but it, if you boil it down, it means I care about people. So if I go work for a company as a sales leader, where we're beating up people every day, now listen, I hold people accountable and do all that, but I do it in a human way. So for me, I'm never going to wake up tomorrow and not care about people. And that builds a lot of trust among that group. And I've had people that have worked at five or six companies with me before. And, and that's because you know they know I'm going to care about them. The second thing, that really motivates me from a talent perspective is innovation. And this is why I don't go work at a Salesforce or a Dell because 
I don't want to manage 2% growth every year. I mean, we grew 100% last year. We're on the cover of the New York Times Sunday business section this past Sunday. And it's like, I'm not going to get that at Salesforce or Dell or some of these big companies. Most of people listening to this will consume it via audio. They're going to be on the treadmill. Maybe they're in the car picking up the kids from school. They're on a walk around the block with the dog. Your background behind you, sitting behind you. And the first time we chatted, I said, oh, well, there's a stormtrooper behind you. And you had told this really great story about how and why that changes. And I went away and I thought about that for some time after. And I thought, I want to talk to him about that on the podcast, because I'm sure other people would, just like me, take pause and think about, oh, okay, I I get why he does that. So maybe you can just share that with us. There's several reasons why I do it. Number one, I'm on eight hours worth of Zooms every day. So the last time you were here, both of you, you saw it. It was the first time you saw it. But for me, I see it multiple times a day. So I change it almost every week. And for those listening, uh, it's just a big, huge self. And I'll have books on it, or I'll have toys on it, or movie posters, or music posters, just things I'm passionate about. But they're kind of filling me up every day. I have stuff that my friends have given me or colleagues have given me. But also, from an embracing diversity perspective, I guarantee no matter who I talk to, there's some version of commonality behind me that is going to spark a conversation with somebody. And that conversation is going to be much more of a human conversation than, hey, give me a demo, or how is this interview going? I think one of the very first things that we did, and we hit it off right away, because I noticed something that you were sitting behind, and then you told the story behind it, and you told me about one of your kids. It was filled with toys at one point, and and of course, that changed for certain reasons. And I think you're right, and I was at my home office today. I'm at my office office, but I was at my home office, and I looked around, and some people might say, well, that's a bit of a messy desk, but there's all these little trinkets that remind me of either times in my life or experiences or friends that have brought me something back. So you're sitting at a desk for eight hours a day, same as me, I'm doing this a lot. And that gives me joy as well. So I did go away thinking about that. And I thought that's really something special. And I like that. And I think I'm going to work on maybe changing it up once in a while because mine's pretty stagnant, but I love that. Can we talk about, maybe you can share with us, what's the most satisfying part of your career? Because you've had a really interesting career. You're not staying with a company for 25 years. People are seeking you out to bring you in. I think you talk about being a catalyst and a specialist and go to market. What gives you satisfaction when you're working? It's a great question. It's one I appreciate a lot. I think there's going to be some conflation between my answer here and what the secret question Al may ask me at the end. But I think it goes back to what I said. I want to have people be successful in their career. We're not all going to be here forever. And whatever you believe in is kind of irrelevant for this statement. But At some point, whether it's my kids or my family or my wife, if people can get up and say what I've done for them, either as a human or in their career, that is really what gets me up every day. I don't care about the size of the company. I don't care about the vertical of the company. I've been in HR tech for a long time now just because of the recognition that I've had. But at the end of the day, if I'm driving change, that's what I care about. Positive change. It's easy to drive negative change. That's not an attitude that a lot of people would have. What do you think got you to the point where this is the most important thing versus your bank account or your career acknowledgements or whatever? I would answer that very differently a year and a half ago than I would now, because now I actually have science-backed answer to your question based on what I do for a living now, which is pretty interesting. But you know, I would say there's lots of things in my life and people have done it for me and it's gotten me where I was. and, And there's a selfish nature of it too, right? A lot of times when people donate to charities, right, there's this dopamine hit that you get. And one of my daughters has special needs. So I spent we spent time in that community and there's a selfish nature of that. But I've always been somebody who found joy in that and found success in that more as a coach than as a player. 
But if you break it down to what we do today psychometrically, I was born that way. The whole embracing diversity part of this is that I care. I can sit down with anyone regardless of how they grew up, what they believe in, politics, religion, whatever, and be able to have a conversation that I'm going to find value in, hopefully they're going to find value in. And I truly find value it. And I truly look for that common ground. And for me, it's just always been that way. I know there's a lot of lip service out there that people who say that, but it has served me well. Well, that's unique and it's refreshing to hear, quite honestly. Thank you. Talk about the hardest experience you've ever had in your career. I pride myself on putting people in roles that I think they can thrive and really do well in. And sometimes you're wrong with that. And that's very disheartening. And I say this on interviews all the time. I'm growing my team a lot. I've made five offers in five days and five people accepted it. So it's kind of fresh for this. And I say to people all the time, like, I have fiduciary responsibility as a C-level executive hiring this person that I've got to hire the right person for the job. And I take that seriously. But I actually take more seriously that that person has to make a decision on us. And frankly, on me too, as a leader, if I'm their direct kind of people leader. Because if we make the wrong hire, we can change that very quickly. And it's unfortunate, but it can happen. But the other thing is actually way more important. If they make the wrong choice, it doesn't just affect them. It affects their family, their livelihood, everything. So when I get it wrong, which happens, it always happens. There's not this one overarching, oh, that was a horrible time in my career. Like I can point to all those situations and in retrospect, be able to say, hey, I got that part wrong. But when you get it right, those are the people you spend 15, 20 years with at different companies. And that's what I strive for everywhere. I want to have this team I can just kind of pick up and have this trust and loyalty both ways and go everywhere. The question is coming. You're already touching on it. And I think a lot of things that you've said, it's obvious that you really care for people and you care for their long-term success. And like you said, that all that's just a byproduct of what your innate nature is. Jason, I got to say, and it's happened two times in a row now, because the first time we had our call together, I came off with a lot of energy. I felt great after a call. I felt very positive. And it's coming through again. Like every time I talk to you, I get that positive energy. And so you're putting it out there clearly that I'm motivated. I like, I feel very energized after our conversations. Where the heck does that come from? Because I've met a lot of people over the years and I encounter that occasionally, but it like you exude that energy. And again, it, it translates, you know, we're digitally speaking. So I'm sure it'd be even more powerful in person, but it's coming through. And I leave our conversations feeling really good and feeling really positive. But where the heck does that come from? Thank you, by the way. I wish I had a very eloquent answer. I don't know. It's funny. I I am atypical somebody who would be a CRO, like the whole embracing diversity versus, you know, execution being my number one thing. I'm actually really introverted as well, which is interesting. So the, the fact that you're not the first person to say that, I don't know where it comes from. But part of it is, I think, you know, being able to connect with people and wanting people to be heard. And just having that rawness and vulnerability allows people to lean in more. And I think at the end of the day, people just want to deal with people. And whether it's at work or it's at home or whatever you're doing, if people can be themselves, that's what people want to be. And I think people get energized being themselves. That doesn't mean I have to like you. I like people. I don't like all people. Let's be candid. There's plenty of people I don't like at all. But at the end of the day, the fact that I know that about that person and they know that about me because we can be ourselves is potentially where it's coming from. I love that you share that you're introverted as well, because so am I. And some people are surprised by that because we run a a podcast that we're very busy on. But unlike my business partner, Joe, who gets very energized being around a big group of people for eight hours a day, sometimes that drains me. And I think the fact that you can talk about that and not admit it, that's not the right word. Admit sounds guilty, but 
I think it's important for people out there who might be early on into the career thinking, well, I'm an introvert. How the heck am I going to get a role, a CRO role, or or how am I going to start this business? Who's going to listen to me? Because I'm maybe not, especially when you're younger, confident about talking in front of people. But it's just one of those things, like you say, I mean, you can accomplish a lot and still be that introvert. You don't have to be the most outspoken person in the room. Again, it's what drains you or drives you. So I'm actually much more comfortable speaking in front of 10,000 people than I am in front of one person, like as an introvert, because you're practiced, you've done it, and it's almost like you're playing a part. I mean, you're yourself, but it's you're playing a part versus having a cup of coffee with somebody one-on-one is is actually incredibly challenging for me. And introverts have a really hard time self-advocating. And introverts, there's a lot of science and and studies out there about the the level of job offers introverts get versus extroverts. So to answer your question specifically, Rob, you have to practice, right? And you just have to be brutally honest. It's one reason I love Plum. It's not a Plum plug, but being able to match what key behaviors are actually really important in the role, it's irrelevant if somebody is an introvert or an extrovert. They're just, they have the right kind of DNA and behavioral needs that a particular company may need in the role. Yeah, very cool. Al, you know what's coming up? Yeah, your question. I'm I'm kind of looking forward to this. Me too. See what Jason has to say here. So there's a saying that goes, a society grows great when old persons plant trees in whose shade they will never sit. So can you talk about any of those proverbial trees that you might be planting? I can. I do love the question. I've listened to not all your podcasts, but since we've started this, maybe a dozen. And everyone's answer is really interesting. And I was telling myself, is this something I want to script or do I want to do it organically? And I decided to do it organically. To me, the people are the trees, right? But I need to be this larger tree that can provide this level of shade for people. And here's how I approach things. If you're vulnerable in any aspect of life, it's going to lead to trust, mutual trust between the two parties or a larger party. That trust will lead to a great deal of openness. And when you have openness, you're to have a ton of honesty between the people, right? If somebody has mental health issues, or if they have to leave every day at three o'clock to pick up their kids from soccer, let's just talk about it. You don't have to fake it. But once you had that honesty, and that trust, what it allows that group of people or those two people or me in my particular role, I can now challenge people in a good way. Here's what I mean by that. There's this concept I have called the goldfish paradigm. And that is if you put a goldfish in a bowl, it's only going to get as big as the bowl will allow. But there's a level of fear of increasing that bowl. And the biggest level of fear is as a leader, is that person going to be successful? But there's a bigger fear of the fish well, what if the bowl's too big? Can I actually do this? Can I not do it? So my job, and to answer your question, I want to put somebody in the biggest bowl I can put them in, even if they're going to fail at certain aspects of that, as long as we're vulnerable and honest, they're going to be able to say, hey, I can't do this, or I messed this up. And as long as I have their back, they're going to continue to become this larger and larger and larger goldfish. And in their career, they're going to be able to do that to other people and other people and other people. But we're all where we are because somebody took a risk on us. And that risk is the scariest part. Me as giving the risk to somebody, but more importantly, the person taking that risk. But unless they can be kind of be vulnerable and honest with each other, they're never going to swim around that tank. They're just going to hide in one little corner. Yeah, I was expecting a great answer and I got one. That was, <laughs> I think someone's going to have a great eulogy for you. Thank you. I haven't heard someone say that. You said that at the top when we got started about you're more worried about you know what people are going to say at your eulogy than making money and all the usual trappings that we all go after. And you've given me pause again. Because now I'm thinking, well, I'm going to begin thinking about that. And as we move forward, because Al knows, you know, my dad was in this business. And part of the reason why I strive to do a great job and provide that experience is I want to leave that legacy. So now that's in the back of my mind as well about, 
you know, leaving that legacy behind and having those people hopefully say great things. But it sounds like people are going to be saying great things about you while you're here as well as while you're gone, Jason. So thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your story. What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they have questions about yourself or what you're doing at Plum? Yeah, LinkedIn's probably the best. It's probably the area I'm the most active. It's Jason Putnam, P-U-T-N-A-M. You can look up Plum. Uh, That's probably the best way to do it. Happy to interact or help in any way I can do it. Okay, awesome. Well, that does it for today's episode. I really enjoyed this conversation. As always, I hope you did too. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or rejoining the conversation on LinkedIn. And never forget, success leaves clues, my friends. Mm -hmm.